0: Time for the with Real Man Let's go. Time to grind. Get inside your mind. Yeah, we're working over time. That's the only way to climb. We're to make it in our prime, signing on the dotted line, cashing checks, left and right. That's the way I'm living life. Uh.
1: Hello and welcome to the Everyman. I am your host, Lewis Vines. No, I'm not. My name is Ethan Rowan. Lewis is on holiday. I am here with James and Reese. Reese is well, Reese Gonzalez, should I say? Um, Reese is the performance nutritionist at West Ham's Academy and the West Ham's Women Club at the moment, and a very special guest, very knowledgeable, and someone who I've been dying to pick your brains for. How are you doing today, Reese? You alright? Yeah, all oh, good. Thank you. Mag. well, I'm sorry if I butchered your uh, second name there mate, sorry I, I tend to get stutter and get a bit nervous but uh... no, I absolutely
0: nailed it, which is surprising to be fair I'm,
1: I'm yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, Well <Brilliant>, done Ethan <laughs> Exactly, we're getting off to a good start, we're getting off to a good start So as I mentioned we've got Monotone James here, James how are you doing today mate, you alright? Yeah I'm good mate, how are you? Living the dream mate, living the dream Even better to have Rhys on, I've been uh, perusing his website and his Instagram all day um, yeah, Trying right, to find out get... it it is, mate, it is. Reese. Uh, I'm a chunkier lad, I don't know if you've seen the pub before, but I'm a lad that's battled weight um, all my life. So to get you on personally, mate, is really something exciting and something, you know, I'm looking forward to picking your brains. I know I've given James a few questions to, to grill you with, but really the secret of my questions um, <laughs> as we go along. So, yeah, so we'll go straight into it, Reese. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and our listeners, just a bit about your journey from early on in sport, and how you got into it?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so my probably the quite uh initially I played sport myself uh when I was younger. So mainly football, transferred kind of into rugby through my like adolescent years. Um found out I was I wasn't half bad at it, kind of pursued that uh county, regional level, like trials for like academies and stuff like that when I was around like 16, sort of stuff like that. And yeah, uh loved it, continued through to uni and then kind of got to a point where I wasn't going to go pro with it, and I, I knew I wanted to work around sport, but it, I couldn't deal with just continuously getting injured. And if you're always injured, you can't work. So I was like, okay, let's maybe step back from that and maybe focus on just supporting them instead. Um, so yeah, I initially went to university and did uh, sports therapy. Uh, that was the route I went down to try and work with you know injured players, rehabilitation, and then I kind of found a bit more of a passion in the gym and kind of helping players excel and get better and I was like oh that's kind of more so where I wanted to be Uh, ended up pursuing that a bit more Uh, was a personal trainer for I'd say about two three years uh, just in gyms private clients online etc and then I I felt still like something was missing Um, it, it wasn't where I wanted to be at that point I I still felt like I could give more and then I decided to go do a master's in sports nutrition uh really for a while I've been hooked on nutrition since I was younger um kind of fixated on it and wanted to always learn more about it. it's one of the those parts I can I probably had the least expertise in and least, least knowledge so I was like oh this is something I really want to get my teeth into uh whilst I was doing that I was I started an internship with uh, Millwall as a sports scientist, uh, and that was that was a great learning experience. Trying to balance that with my masters, and then drew my masters. Great, great um, education from St Mary's. Uh, it basically set me up really nicely. Managed to get some uh, experience with other clubs and uh during this time um and just individuals allowed me to really kind of get out there and get get doing the work which was which was amazing and I just completely fell in love with it and I was I was set this this was for me this is what I was going to do and um yeah I've managed to come out the back of it a couple of internships off the back with a couple of pro clubs and then went for the West Ham rolls and got got in there so that's that's where I've been since really that's
1: that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell yeah Really? That was quicker than I thought. To be fair, I was expecting, like, war and peace, mate. I'm not going to lie, you've had such a journey, you know what I mean? And you've accomplished so much and you're still sort of quite a young age as well, mate. So hats off to you. I mean, just touching there, so obviously you were big into rugby, like you said. What What was the point where you transitioned into other sports in the sense of going down the football route as opposed to the rugby route? Or did you try to do both? Or Obviously, I know you've, you've mentioned um, you worked at Millwall, I believe. You worked at Watford as well. You went internship there as well. Um, what what sort of drove you towards football opposed to rugby? If you don't mind me asking.
0: No, sorry. so I've I've I would say as a kid I was always more of a football fan, and to this day still a, more of a football fan. That's always been uh, probably at the heart of me. I, I've loved it, love playing it, love watching it. If there's any football on, I'll watch it. I don't care who's playing. I'll, I'll always watch it. Um, and then I think it's more of a I went from the transition of playing football, found out I was pretty good at rugby. Expanded on that, I guess playing wise, and then it was more of a when I got to supporting athletes. To be fair, I, I, I support athletes privately, and stuff with among in a real mixture of sports. So it's not it's it's anything from my like combat sports to running to cycling. There's a there's a real mix, but in terms of like that key one, I, I was really drawn to football. I think it might be to do with one mainly my passion for it. Uh, it's probably the one I have the Apart from rugby, where I've, I've been there, played it, I understand it. Uh, but I have the most, uh, I guess, understanding of, in a sense, of having followed it for twenty odd years. Um, as well as the fact that I would say, probably at the moment, it's the furthest, I guess, forward, like, advanced, more advanced out of the rest in terms yeah. of how they build their their teams and their support staff and what they can provide to their players. I think rugby is very close to it. It's it's building, but um, but football is definitely. the the starter of that. And it's kind of much more advanced. There's probably a lot more opportunity as well. Um, So I think that that was definitely a, a, a good route for me to go into, which I knew I'd enjoy.
1: Fantastic I mean just for me on my personal side of things I think it's amazing how the fact that you want to challenge yourself and put yourself out of your comfort zone during that time and obviously like you said going through your masters and going into nutrition where it's something that you thought maybe I'm not the strongest in this side of things and I want to try and improve and you know credit to you know I was saying to you before the point. I've looked at your website, I've looked at your Instagram, which is something we'll we'll plug at the end. Don't worry. And you've got some great, you've got obviously Billy Mitchell on there. Um, and you've got Chris Wallace, you know, a golf and a pro footballer who give you great recommendations, you know, and great feedback. And it's a testament that you're not only putting yourself in one box maybe because I think it would be the easy route to just go down and say right I'm going to be involved in just football or I'm just going to be exclusive but you're not you're you're broadening horizons I mean early on did you come across any barriers early on when you were sort of doing your internship while trying to juggle your masters and things like that when you were you're trying that I know yeah definitely
0: I think I think one of the biggest ones if you if you speak to most people going into support staff roles in sport in general they're Few and far between, and the support in them isn't the greatest. Like m- normally, from a like financial standpoint, that most of them aren't paid. Um, you have to you're, you're doing a lot of hours, considering especially like while well, during my masters. So you're doing that, and you're trying to work. I was trying to I was self-employed as a personal trainer at the time, so I was trying to work with all my clients to get my hours in. As well as when you enter a a first team football environment, it is you don't really have there's no monday to friday 9 to 5 it is very much you can end up working 10 12 days on the trot until you get your next day off sort of thing you you you've got to just follow the schedule and follow the team and so um that that was quite tricky i think that that was probably my biggest barrier whilst i was there it was can i keep can i afford to keep going in and travelling that became the biggest sticking point it just whilst well, i wanted to give everything i could to it but yeah. it comes to a point where something has to give and and it does eventually, and if you if you can't do it, so that was that was the biggest one for me.
1: Hundred yeah. percent, mate, hundred percent.
2: Can, can I imagine that being being really hard as well when you when you have a specific goal that you want to get to, and you've got all these obstacles in the way, as well as working uh, full time on on a master's degree. Uh, so hats off to you for that. Um, I also want to say respect for you. Uh, I've got respect for you for changing your goals. So you said that you realised that you weren't going to go professional. So I'm guessing at one point in your playing career, uh, you thought you might have a chance to go professional. When you realised that that wasn't going to happen, uh, how did you deal with that? And how did you turn it, uh, turn it around to make yourself uh, like do so well in what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Actually, I, it's not something I really think about. To be fair, it's um, it's one of those where it kind of feels like it. When I look back, it feels like it went by really that kind of opportunity, that window kind of went by really quickly. Um, it was one of those where one minute you're 16 in, you know, regional or county level and doing trials for, let's like Saracens and stuff like that, and you're kind of you're on the cusp and you're you're there nearly, and then it kind of felt like oh I think I, I, know, I know I picked up an injury around the time and it it kind of sent me back from there, and all of a sudden my mindset was okay, the next opportunity
2: at university sort of thing didn't really. Oh, We just lost Ethan. Continue. He'll come back in when he can. Um, No, yeah, I didn't
0: really um, look after myself as well. I think at uni as well, I I, I just didn't push on the way I should have. And and then, again, it it kind of just fizzles out and you kind of get to that point where, I don't know if you guys had it, when you're probably 18, 19, you start thinking, are you getting to that age where people have normally made it by now or it's like, oh, I'm turning twenty twenty one, sort of thing. I mean, university still, there's still a chance you could make it, but you know in your head really like you're probably not going to. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like the thing for me. It was kind of like, oh, just keep going about it. And then I it was around that time at uni where it was very much a, yeah, it's it's not going to happen as much as you could turn back time and do it. Absolutely not. But then it was a, I think it was not difficult for me. I don't, I don't think I really struggled with it. I think it was quite a... Right, I I do like to look for the next opportunity. It's it's a right, rather than let myself get like bogged down in this hasn't happened. Why has it not happened? It's more yeah. of okay, this hasn't happened. What's the closest I can be to that environment and support and help these these players and people succeed? And it for me it was what do I love doing? I love supporting people physically or helping them basically be their best and it was okay I can do that through this and I really enjoy it and I basically was like let's go pursue this and see where that path takes me and um, fortunately yeah, I kind of went down that road going from you know physios, S&C to nutrition so I kind of jumped across the houses a little bit but kind of ended up where I, where I wanted to be in the end.
2: Yeah it's all experience isn't it? So. Uh, there was a part that you said there that I was pretty interesting. You said um, around 18, 19 year old when people around you uh, seem to have it like they were successful. Uh, so I don't know about uh, Ethan but when I was that age uh, not a lot of my friends had made it by then. Um, I wonder if that is uh, due to your uh, sports background and uh, the level that you were playing at uh, I'm guessing you had a uh, quite a lot of friends who who did to start making it and becoming professional and that's where you might be getting that from uh whereas like me uh none of my friends are like athletes or professionals in that manner um so I was wondering is is that where like you've seen a lot of your friends start to make it uh is it through the sports industry
0: uh yeah i do you know what? I, I'd probably say the the group that i I kind of progress with when I when I was younger was it was probably around that age group. It wasn't it wasn't many of them that went on to, to go to go pro, but the ones that did I'd say were probably around yeah the the unique ones, the the brilliant players and stuff like that. they were around the year 18, 19, really kicked on and were at that top level. Um there were there were some, especially around university, like a good handful of them went on to have very good well have gone on to they're still playing, they're in good careers, some are, you know, international level uh, rugby and stuff like that, which are which is brilliant. um So yeah, you do get to that point. Whereas also, I think when I was at that, that was probably one of my lowest standards that I was at at the university. So when I saw them, and in in that environment, you kind of see the the gap, you see the disparity, and you kind of think, okay, yeah, I'm I'm not there. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. No, I get I get what you're saying 100, and. You know, James, credit you there. too. banging questions off the bounce. How's about that, Reese yeah, Cheers, mate. First for James, you know mate. Um, How was the tone? Was it, oh, not the best, like, I'm not going to lie, nah, but we'll, we'll get right. there. Well, Reese has fallen asleep. Right, back in the room, Reese. I'll bring you back, don't worry. Um, you made a great point there about the fact that watching other people succeed, and I just want to touch on something Um, from my point of view, you know, uh, first of all, I just want to say I'm 30 years old, 26 stone, and I'm not giving up on being a pro footballer. I'm just going to put that out there. Anyone watching this who's an agent or a manager at a football club, you know, you want to sign me, I'm, I'm not giving up like recent at the moment. I will come and play for you. I'll do the Ben Foster and come out of retirement um, on that side. But yeah, I, I found it really tough because when I was younger, a lot of my friends were in like something it was called Monk's Eaton Football Academy and basically it was a sixth form but it was run like a football a little football academy at high school um and loads of loads of my pals did it and you, you would train Monday Tuesday Wednesday you'd train Monday Tuesday Friday you'd have a game on the Wednesday against the likes of Newcastle in the 18s or 21s you'd play other colleges things like that and you were seen as the elite and often people would get invited to go train for Newcastle or Sunderland things like that It was a gateway and I never quite made it into that, and that's something that will I'll always regret because I watched everyone have so much respect for those people, for my pals, and I had so much respect for them. I was dying in it, to get involved and be at reach of them. So I'm really resonating the fact that it, it is something that a lot of the every man will struggle with, is probably watching their friends excel and maybe not hitting the heights, whether it's through injury like yourself, Reese, or you, know, you want to take other avenues, and... Um, and for me personally, it was my weight. You know, I know Lewis, you'll hate saying this, but Lewis, who I know he's spoken to, him, he played for Plymouth Argyle as a youngster. Um, it's a running joke that we always mention that because it gets them annoyed. But Even yeah, when he's he, not here. Even when he's not, yeah. He's on holiday somewhere, so you'll not care. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I can really resonate with that. And I think, like I say, a testament to you for for taking the, the ownership and saying, well, I still want to be involved in sports somehow, whether that's as your own sort of um, with your own business, you know, and strength and conditioning, obviously nutrition, things like that. Or whether you go through, down the actual sport of, like you're saying, with, with Millwall, Watford, you know, West Ham, where you're working now. Um, and I just want to touch on the sort of West Ham. I've got a few things that I would like to, to pick out of that. all right. So obviously, how did that, to start off, how did you get that opportunity, if we can start at the beginning? Um, I think
0: the biggest thing, I think, was the fact that I did so many placements and put myself out there like quite a lot in the years prior to to actually going for the role Uh, although it wasn't necessarily that role it was in you know these environments or trying to get as close to it as possible to show I've I've learned I've been around this kind of atmosphere I can I can do the job Um, I think a lot of people do end up um, kind of coming out with a sports degree and kind of expecting oh if I apply for a job at a, a, a top football club that I'm I deserve the role almost because I've got the degree. Yeah. Um, so I did spend I think two years before actually finishing my masters and going for the role. I think I work. I voluntarily worked for I want to say four to five clubs, um, mm-hmm. and that was just again completely free. Just me traveling in as and when I can, just to get as much hands-on experience as possible, be in amongst the environment and just learn, um, and just do the job. I, especially like during my masters, I just wanted to start doing the job. So it was who's happy, who hasn't got anyone kind of covering this provision, who wants someone who's going to come do it for free, whilst they're studying, and it meant that I got I got to actually just do what what I'm learning to do. Um, so even to the point, I think after Millwall, there were, I didn't I was looking for another opportunity. You had a um, non-league side, Welling, who I ended up basically getting in contact being put into touch with by a friend and they are probably step or step seven step eight and so again there's they, they train once a week play all the week and sort of thing and I went in just to do their nutrition and it was kind of like a it didn't matter what level it was at it was me I was still doing the job the, the sport doesn't change no matter the level it's exactly yeah. the same 50 minutes they're all hitting similar not as I'm not as much load but they're all hitting very similar. You know metrics on the pitch. They're, they need the exact same things. So it's kind of like a. It's, this doesn't change anything. It's it's me doing the role, and I think that that helps massively when you go for these roles. So when it by the time I got to, finishing my masters and applying for the, for the West Ham role, I get, I had probably four or five clubs on on my CV, and it was, a good a good couple of you know pro- professional clubs, elite, um Premiership or championship level round that kind of that, that mark so it was I think it, that really helped me one stand out and two I think it just helped me in general so by the time I got into that role you have anyone will tell you when they come out it's just massive imposter syndrome and you you it is one of those things you go into your first role it's I've been doing this in other places but now you're actually like it's your role and yeah. so that that was the initial feeling but then those voluntary voluntary roles and experience set me up so well without me really even realizing. So when I got into it, I was able to kind of just fly into it and kind of really throw myself into it without too many worries. After a week I felt I felt pretty comfortable.
1: No, that sounds quite the journey. Like you your actual sort of LinkedIn profile, your website, Instagram, it doesn't half cover the miles you've done, does it? You've, <laughs> you've been an absolute journey man and I think that's testament to you again, you know. Um Sorry, I'm piping you off on this on this podcast tonight, but you know it. Uh, it, it seems that like you put the hard yards in that not many people would do, and you're, you're now on that tra- trajectory um, of, of actually going to where you want to be, whether that's sort of West Ham at the moment, or uh, as we'll come on the future of Reese later on. Um, But yeah, that's something that a lot of people, especially the every man or every woman, potentially won't see the side of it. Obviously, you're saying there people are coming out of Masters looking for pro jobs in Premier League clubs or Championship clubs. And they're almost expecting it, but maybe don't want to do the hard yards. And going out there and doing that, uh, you know, that's something I would recommend to anyone as, as obviously based on your story and actually being able to go and sort of experience, get the experience, even whether it's like, say on a, a training once a week on a Tuesday, one game, you know, you're, you're going in the pouring rain, you're, you're having to drive, you're having to pay out your own pocket, but it's the experience that you get later on in life and it'll help. You know what I mean? Like no doubt you have been in some great situations, but also probably some terrible situations and had awkward conversations and, and, and that's what's put you in good stead now. So I think that's, that's again, credit to you mate, Um, in all honesty. uh. How do, I'd want to ask a bit more of a personal, how did you juggle all that? Because we've got Matthew Slater, who's not on tonight. Um, he was dying to be on, but he, he's got clients, obviously, as you can understand, being an a SNC coach along the way as well. And how did you juggle that of the fact that, you know, it would cost financially, you know, you're not getting potentially paid. Obviously, I know I don't want to go too personal, but how did you cope, obviously, with the Masters, doing this sort of work that you're not getting paid for, obviously petrol or diesel travel things like that at your hours your time how did he cope and how did he manage if you don't mind me me asking
0: no no it's good yeah um yeah not gonna lie it, it was it was tough it was it was very tough um i think it was at the point where obviously we just had the pandemic as well so everything was kind of thrown off because of that as well so even more so it's it's not normal it's it's a bit that bit tougher um and then I think the, just, yeah, just being able to to commute to these places, it was kind of a trade-off. It was, it was right. Do I travel in today and then maybe not be able to afford, you know, some part of my shopping or something else down the line, or I don't know, I'd have to sacrifice this. Or if there's like a, a social gathering, so that it was basically like, well, I can't afford to go because I'm prioritizing this right now. And for the for the time that I w- I was doing it, it was it was really tricky. It it was a kind of it was to the point probably like living day day to day almost. Thinking that in that sense where where I was at I was I was out renting um, with my partner and it was basically just a right like e- throwing everything into this and I need to keep this going in order to benefit from it later on. Like I knew it yeah. would come eventually, um, but I knew it, for that potential like six months to a year it was going to be. It was going to be a bit tricky. And yeah, it was, it was, it was trying to do those things like, okay, you've got to cover rent. You've got to cover bills. You have also got to cover your petrol. Can you get a food shop? And it it was to the point where again, and this is, this is also, I have to say this, it's nothing also out of the ordinary for for a lot of people, like a lot of people who do these, they they don't get reimbursed. They don't get any form of pay and they still have to work on the side. So it, it, it is kind of the norm, which hopefully, we can start moving in the right direction and try and, you know, pay interns and re-support because they have such an impact on the club when they help out as well, that it needs to be kind of, at least let's not have them out of pocket for just coming in to learn. Um, And I think that's, that's such a big thing, but, but no, yeah, it was, um, it it is tough and you do understand why a lot of people aren't willing to, to do it if they're not, you know, in, in a good position to, to be able to, going fully commit and say oh do you know what I know I'm going to be 100% all right if I commit to this because I think anyone who goes for it they normally have to accept there is some form of you know risk or all that trade-off where it might be a six months or a year where you're going to have to sacrifice quite a lot
1: yeah no I get that and that's something that like you said not many people will do not many people will be willing to sacrifice Um, you know J- James obviously monotone James here he's potentially going to move for a job obviously it's probably more extreme but he's looking at jobs potentially abroad things like that so he's now in that probably stance of having to do the trade-offs financially I mean James just to bring it to you before we go on Maurice how how are you finding that and are you doing a similar route and and yeah
2: um so the the job that I do now is it's pretty specific um so that the job that I'm I'm hoping to get when I'm out there, um, like it'll pay like better than this one. Um which is good. Um and so I've not I've not had to make any sacrifices or anything yet, but obviously I will, like being away from family, uh like not even like a drive away, like I have to be able to fly home or they'll have to fly to me. Um but but all in all, like no struggles uh, at the minute. Um, I w- it will be hard when we're away, but like I'll be with my wife, so we'll have each other, and we'll both be in the same boat. I mean, currently we're living six hours away from our family, so it's it's not it's not easy at the moment. Uh, but we get through it because we're together. Uh, so when we are when we do move abroad, or if we do move abroad, um. We're kind of a little bit set up. Um, it's, it's been like, like like sort of like trajectory where it's getting it's been hard, um, but we got over it, and it'll get hard again, and we'll get over it. Uh, you just gotta make, make, make your make your way through it. I think step by step, and that's why I want to say uh, fair play to you, Reese, for going through them challenging times um, where you, you've been struggling, you had to make them sacrifices. Um and you said you experienced a lot of things uh that you didn't really want to be doing as such, like f- as a career, but you stuck at it and that experience has got you to where you are today. So fair play for that.
1: How cute is he, Reese? How cute is he? Bless him. I mean love I love it. Love it, love it. This this is why we talk. This is why we talk. Reese, right, back exactly. to you, mate sorry, enough about James and these sad stories. Um put me to sleep. Right. So Reese, you work at West Ham, as I've mentioned already. You work in the men's academy and the women's first team. Am I right with that? Yes, you are. Brilliant. And what age groups would you mind me asking if you are working in the Academy?
0: Uh yeah, so it's it's from under nines all the way up to under twenty under
1: twenty ones. Brilliant. Brilliant. So so there's such a broad age group there. Would you mind going into a bit of detail about sort of the the tasks, the day-to-day tasks you might do with the academy first, I and mean, then go on the women's side of things? Is that all right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fine. Um yeah. So yeah, the the day-to-day is more is is more the older boys. It's the it's the 18s twenty ones. So it's the it's like the two steps before that first team. Um, they're very. I say the contact time is similar in that it's it is very much about okay we've it's one setting up the nutrition around the academy um, and making sure that we're trying to get everything to a point where are we doing the most are we doing the best we can and that nothing's kind of being forgotten about or, or left out of that like we' we're trying we're not leaving too much a chance it's we've got strategies in place we've got information education everything's happening to kind of make sure both players and staff are are like, understand what what I'm trying to get across and what the players ideally need to be hearing what's, what's best practice. Yeah. Um, and then as, once we've got that kind of, uh, instilled practice where it's, it kind of runs itself in that sense. Like we all know the plan. We know the culture. We know what we want to do from a nutrition standpoint. Brilliant. Then it becomes much more personal for each player. So each player I'll, I'll have one-to-ones of each player and we will create like, what is, what do they need? specifically for their what does their training plan look like their match day prep their physical development goals because obviously some one might are probably you know maturing different rates so do some need to be focusing on on some things such as like you know gaining muscle mass do some need to be are they happy where they are do we need to just keep monitoring where they're at and the same is you'll also see like some who their nutrition knowledge maybe isn't there it's they're still young a lot of them live at home with their parents, so they don't have to cook for themselves. So, do they have basic cooking skills? And it's trying to basically give them that that basic knowledge to to be able to make the right decisions. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the outside see nutrition as "oh, I'll write you a full plan and we we dictate everything for them." Where it's it's very much the opposite, and it's we want to give them the best education and knowledge and be able to ask questions, come to me. That there's no. You know, monitoring or policing from me is purely I'm helping you make better decisions. And if someone says, Oh, do you know what? Last night, I ate what they say is rubbish food or something like that. There's the, again a reiterate, there's no such thing. It's that's that's fine. Like, thanks one, thanks for telling me for being so honest. Um, but also it's to kind of take out that there's negative notions to food because that there's not, yeah, food's a food. And it's kind of getting them to really understand that because we know that football environments, especially if we go back twenty, thirty years, that they there's a lot of phrases and beliefs that kind of sit within football that are untrue or not helpful. They're very ne- they can be negative on people's you know physical mental health. Yeah. So a lot of it is kind of you know drive out those stereotypes and reinforce the the practice and the good comments and the good the good things we want to hear and say and uh, it's slowly coming along we are we are seeing good change the more that the staff change as well this is why it's so important to get their buy-in so that they can also echo that message because these are the people that these players look up to that the coaches that they respect them they've been there they've done it hot. most of them have been pro and now are coaching so it's it's that opportunity for them to say no I'm reinforcing that and I'm going to say this and it, as soon as it comes from them that it really really hits home and we get a really good positive change um so yeah that that's that's mainly with with the older boys in terms of having the set up and then the individualization um to help them you know make good decisions when they're at the club and more importantly when they're away from the club we we don't have control over that so it's it's just giving them that their best chance to understand right when you go home a good meal might look like this you might need this and then they can have that freedom to say right what does that look like for me and allows them to run with it which is good because food and is very personal it's it's a very personal thing like taste and preferences is no two people are going to be the same with nutritional food it's it's yeah. down to that person and that's how we will always kind of enforce it and and preach about it um and then with the younger boys it's, there's a little bit of contact with with like the 16s 15s who are just on that cusp of you know going into the kind of full-time program yeah. Um, and that's again, more, that's more of like an educational standpoint. It's, it's to make sure that they are ready and they understand not just the basics, but what fueling and what nutrition in football looks like. Cause you, you need to know that, but you also need to know, right. You're also putting your body through a lot. Are you preparing for games? Are you fueling upright and are you recovering properly? Uh, are you, are you doing both? And also they're at that age where they're growing the most as well. Are they factoring that into account? Yeah. They They probably play for their school team and they probably do cross country. They probably do all these other sports at school and around it that people often forget like sometimes parents forget that you're not only you growing, they're probably expending so much energy in a day because or in a week, because they're playing football X number of times. They're also playing, doing additional sports or playing extra extra games at lunch or in the playground. So they burn a lot of calories. There's a massive, energy requirement on like teenagers those those adolescents as they're going through that puberty phase um so much so that they they require more than the premier league first team players on a day-to-day basis it's it's massive and i think that that is an area which us as nutritionists are really trying to hone in on and kind of highlight because it does go it does i think it gets missed by by a lot of people um without who just i think don't think have have it's not been brought to the front enough for them to say like oh this is how much they're doing and they really need this and it's not like necessarily like look at parents it's not necessarily their fault it's just kind of like someone needs to tell them it's it's like a you can help them actually by doing this for them um which is really important and then with the younger younger boys at the 9s to 11s it's, it's normally very basic and we try and give them some like practical skills so you know just making very simple food with their hands and i kind of get playful with it and hopefully
1: make yeah. food fun no on sounds spot on to be fair i think i think the, it's the old proverb give a man a fish or a woman a fish and they'll eat teach a man or a woman to fish and they'll feed for the rest of their life you know what i mean so it, it's quite unique that he's are doing that now because i don't correct if i'm wrong i don't think that was always the norm especially at the younger ages would i be writing that from your from your perspective um and like you're saying already you're trying to put it more so at the forefront and try and advise the younger generation of smarter choices, which I think is something that maybe wasn't put across in the previous instances. Would you think I'm right in that that sense? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I I think that
0: that's relatively new. I'd say that everything from, if we look at sport, it, it starts from the first team down, it will always go right where, what's our main focus? And then it will trickle down. And I I definitely feel like that it's been it's become more of a focus over the last, you know, like 10 years plus sort of thing where people are saying, no, do you know what? We need to give this sort of attention and education to the younger age groups Um, and just how important that is.
1: Yeah, No. Well, it sounds well, clearly if people are wanting to sort of have this home grown talent, you know, the academies, things like that, I think a lot of attention's turned more towards that, especially I mean, you look at the likes of Brighton, things like That is it Evan Ferguson, the young lad who's playing up front, he's just had a new contract, he's doing amazing. You know, people like that who you can nurture rather than going out and spending five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty million um on that side. Um just before we go on a bit more in depth with you, Reese, I just want to ask James a quick question. James, what's your diet like for for Reese and the, the everyday <clears throat> listener? Now, Reese, we're gonna we might get you to critique James's diet depending how bad it
2: is. Yeah. Um, so me and the missus just started a diet uh, this week, so we are eating a lot better. Um, so we've been having uh, like a soup, a soup for tea, uh, like homemade soup, uh, like vegetable meat whatever um which we've been loving to be honest so a couple of bread rolls um and that's been good and then for, for my dinners, been having a, a couple of wraps uh some some cheese and ham some spinach uh, and then for my breakfast having a smoothie and a breakfast bar so pretty low calories and then working out we, we've been working out a, a couple of times this week uh, which we've not really done before. As I said, I've said before as well. I really struggle um, uh, for motivation to work out because my shift pattern it, it goes a week of days and I do a week of nights and then a week of days. So to get that routine, I'm finding it hard. Uh, but for the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been on days and I've been getting a really good routine, sleeping better, uh, eating better, um, burning more calories, uh, feeling better as well. To be honest. Um, but yeah, that that's my diet as it stands.
1: Reece is regretting coming on this podcast after hearing you just describe that diet. I'm regretting coming on the podcast after hearing you describe that. I don't it's think anyone's ever described I don't think anyone's described that day going staring at the end and working backwards <laughs> to the morning as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I did that. I don't you know, know why I is- did that. <laughs> Reese, you're in for a treat. Uh, well I may as well tell you mine, Reese, and then you can ha- you can probably faint with what I would eat so I've I've just had back surgery in December um emergency back surgery and it's obviously due to my weight and other things um you know but I'm a big binger um, that's probably why I didn't make it as a pro footballer because I just love to binge uh so what I'll do is I'll try and do intermittent fasting so I'll not eat for 18 hours or something like I'd go to the extreme then I'd go home and I'd have 500 grams of pasta with you know um two well two or four chicken breasts, you know, I make like a sauce and I two, have two garlic baguettes as well. And then like have uh have protein yogurts just to just to health for the health as well sort of thing. Um so I'm completely another spectrum. You know, I've got away from those days. But you know if you wanted to hear something that was really worth listening to that is a meal and a half if you want to try it Reese. On the side <laughs> of it. I said try it. What about you, Reese? What about you? Have you got any specific diets we'll go on the West Ham side?
0: uh no i I think the the key that i stand by and we try and i try and push is is it's not so much like a diet diet thing it's it's more of a um it's like an individual approach to it and kind of just fueling and how for what you need and how you are as a person so it rather than um i know that like so like intermittent fasting like you mentioned like in if we look at the smaller time windows where maybe we say oh up until midday we're not eating sort of thing from waking up like it has its benefits in the sense of you're kind of losing a feeding window which if some people need that kind of motivation and support with it which absolutely fine it, it works for, for people and if that works for you like that that's great um, and as you say I think you found the reason that with the with a large window like 18 hours you, you see what happens with With when you have when you go that long without, and then you try it, and then you want to go to eat, it it can end in necessarily the wrong things because all of a sudden the hormones are kicking in, and you're just you're just hungry, and your body will crave obviously the things that aren't going to help you, and then you end up more calorie dense, and the issues kind of like come from there. But personally, it's more of a I always stand by protein is keep protein high and make sure it's consistently throughout the day. Protein is great, obviously, muscle maintenance and growth if you're trying to achieve that, but also for satiety. So it will just make you feel full for longer. So protein takes a long time for us to break down in the gut. So if you have it and you're having it every three or so hours, you'll feel very full from it, from just having a really good quality source of protein. So I'll always try and make sure that that is in every meal from breakfast through to dinner. Um, And so my day normally looks like a, a breakfast... Maybe a morning snack, if not, I'll go straight to lunch, then like an afternoon snack, then a dinner, then a pre-bed snack nice. but that, that, that's kind of my set routine, it kind of works well around me getting up early and going for a run, coming back, having breakfast and stuff like that. It kind of works well into a routine for me around work as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's normally like the layout of it, and I'd say, yeah, every every one of those meals or snacks has a really good protein source, and so it's either like you know twenty thirty grams plus of protein and then so and then i guess it depends on how you're feeling i think if i'm feeling you know what i'm a bit flat at the moment i'm probably under eating a little little bit then i will probably increase a little bit so like we tend to go by right so carbohydrates might be a third of a plate rather than a quarter of a plate so i'm just trying to a little bit and there's some extra calories there um fats are responsible for basically everything else apart you've you've done muscle maintenance and health and you've done energy through carbs fats will just basically help with everything else so that is your heart your uh focus your brain capacity like it, there's so much like your brain health like there's there's so much there they offers like gut health we it, it does so much for you your immunity so the once you've got once i've done the protein and i've got my carbs out then it'll basically all right let's get a few bits of, of fats on the plates normally around like 30 percent of each plate will be some sort of fats, whether that's like good fats, so it's like health, um, avocado, nuts, um, some sorts of cheeses, stuff like that. That's that's typically what I go for. Um, yeah. And so, I try and keep it as colourful as possible. So lots of veg, and then maybe like a fruit bowl or a mixed fruit with um, with Greek yogurt before bed or something like that, just to try and get as much I can of of different vitamins and stuff like that. And that's purely for my own health, just so like i feel good i feel energetic i'm not feeling deficient and i'm not deficient in, in in anything that's going to make me feel a bit unwell or a bit run down um, and keep my immune system up and that's pretty much like how all the, each meal will look for me and it's it's not always perfect but i it's very much a individual thing as i say it's it's listen to your body listen to yourself if you feel like you've probably if you feel like really full and maybe not so great you've probably overeaten or that's when you start seeing okay do you know what progressively over a few weeks maybe you you feel like you've been a bit heavier and stuff like that so you're probably like oh do you know what i probably have over overeaten you look at you think about your diet and how you're eating you could probably just reel back a little bit on you know maybe let's reduce the carbs a little bit let's reduce the fats a little bit they're always going to be the go-tos in terms of you know dropping it down more so the carbs um that's not to say eliminate them that's just let, let's let's take them off a little bit and let's see how we go and as long as we feel good physically we can we can do what we need to do we can get up good we can work without losing concentration in the day and without feeling tired fatigued and run down we know we're probably at we're probably at a good point um and then same goes for if, if we're trying to if we're trying to lose some like lose some weight then we'll probably go okay let's let's reduce them even a little bit more and then take them down we'll still keep the protein the same because that's what we're going to do us a favor keep us full it's gonna stop us from you know maybe binging or maybe having extra food around when around our set meal times almost like when it works into our our routine yeah and then if we're kind of just dropping those carbs down a little bit maybe a little bit less on the fats and we're doing that consistently through every meal the protein's keeping us four meal to meal we'll go back to bed each night in that calorie deficit which is the key and that's what we want to achieve from day to day
1: brilliant no well that's really insightful isn't it I like how James is agreeing, like, he's got to lose any weight and he's not the overweight one here.
2: No, honestly, mate, guess how much are we? uh, I
1: weigh? I don't know. Off the, off your face, I'm going to say 19 stone. Oh. That's horrible. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. 14 stone. Reese, what's your guess? No, oh, I have no idea. I, I, wouldn't oh, yeah,
2: be... I, I was 14 stone 10 when I weighed myself on Sunday. That's the heaviest I've ever been. And that's why I'm dying now, because... I'm sick of looking at myself. Uh but I, as you were talking about food, um I've got a few myths uh that a lot of people um are misinformed about. Um so I, I'd hit you with them. So while we're on the subject if you don't mind. Um so the first one is breakfast the most important meal of the day. Um I so it's, it's a really good question and a
0: lot, a lot of people ask it. Um so i would say it does depend on your schedule like it depends on you as a person so some people will need breakfast they can't function without having that morning that morning meal um but others can can happily not have it and feel just fine and and still be able to kind of get that next feeding window which is typically like late morning or or lunch and again they'll be they'll be absolutely fine um it is very much a a breakfast is very much like a a personal thing it's a preference thing um I myself will flick between the two like sometimes I will I can go until you know 11 12 o'clock where I know that I've I've just not feeling hungry when I wake up that morning I know I'll make up for it later in the day and I'll I'll get all my feeding windows in I'll get enough protein in the day etc I just know that I'm I'm missing out on that first one whereas other times I, I will feel it and I'm like I'll wake up and I'm like Joe you know I'm really hungry and I, I will eat that morning and so it is it is very much on your personal choice and your your personal preference. Um, there is a lot around it to say that oh, if we start with breakfast, then we're starting the day off with a good like good protein breakfast and stuff like that. Then it it can help the rest of the day because obviously if we go to, if we say we wake up at like you know seven o'clock and we're going till twelve, then the the likelihood of us being really hungry around twelve o'clock and maybe overeating can be a little bit higher. So in which case that there is that if, if if it's someone who feels like that and maybe can't control lunchtime because of those that haven't that big window, then they might benefit from having a breakfast. Cause they might be like, okay, let's break it down a little bit. I know that by the time I get to 12 o'clock, I've had something at eight. I'm still feeling relatively full and I know I can have something without going overboard. Um, yeah. whereas, whereas others will be just like, Oh, that's absolutely fine. I, I won't, won't eat in the morning and I'll, I'll just have lunch and they will still make the decisions best for them. Yeah. So yeah,
1: definitely personal on that one. Yeah, ethan um, do you eat breakfast? Yeah. Oh, I'm getting a question now. Uh, I tend to not eat breakfast, so I like the fast. That's a big thing for me. I like to, I'm a big fan of getting up half five, going working out, whether that's spin class, gym, anything like that. And I'll just skip breakfast and not eat the lunch. Um, obviously, Reese, I mentioned you and James before. Obviously, my restrictive window was that large. I was off the wagon every night pretty much um in gordon so i've I've gone for a shorter window i do recommend it to people because you know if you're in a even an eight hour window um it's hard to stuff so many calories in your face compared to just getting up first thing and eating something like that sounds pretty basic um but yeah I skip breakfast and i also want to give people a tip for listening to this never go shopping food shopping when you're hungry because then you just buy everything that's on the shelf. Anything you want is danger. What about
2: you, James? Do you have breakfast, man? Yeah, I do. Uh, usually it'll be something small like a breakfast bar, but oh, I'm yeah. diet, oh. because, because I'm dieting, um, I'll, I'll have a, a smoothie, like a fruit smoothie with some uh, almond milk and some protein in there as well. Um, and i tell you what, this last week has been pretty good, to be honest. I've been feeling good, feeling a lot better. Um, and I, I hadn't really thought about why, I thought it was because I was sleeping better, but I guess it's like an accumulation of the sleeping and the eating better, uh, which I didn't think about until I've talked to Eri. So maybe <laughs> I'll keep, maybe I'll keep doing it. No, it, uh, just,
0: it doesn't sound like that. It's it's one of those where you've made. We always talk about we we our main role of our job is to try and build habits, and it's not necessarily to completely change a mindset. We're not trying to be like, all right, we, you've started here overnight, you're going to go here. It's how can we change one habit at a time. And it's if we continue to do that, then we're going to get somewhere. Because if I tell you to give you something and say, do this, you're not building it into your routine. You're not trying to act like you're not motivated to want to do it. It's kind of a I've been told to do this. Let me follow this. Whereas if we can take one habit at a time and, you know, work on it and say, right, this is this is something that you want to do. This is something that you like. Let's see if we can factor it in and maybe like switch it out for this. What you're currently doing. And then you know that it's not that big a sacrifice because you're kind of doing a, all right, this is just an alternative. I still like it. It's just going to save me on whatever, whatever your goal is, it'll push you towards it. And you're yeah. not going to notice it too much. And you're going to be quite happy doing it because you've, you're the one who's kind of decided to do it. I've just kind of helped. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've done it for a week or two and you're like, you know, it's really easy. And that's one habit yeah. done. Okay. Like, hey, what, what else was on the list? Oh, so maybe let's, let's go to this one now. And, if we do that one by one, then you're just picking up these healthy habits which will be which will become ingrained in you, and you'll be like, Oh, this is all I know now, and th- that's what your first thought will go to, and that's that's what we try and achieve.
2: Yeah, yeah. oh, brilliant. Yeah, I, I will, I will, uh, I will start doing it a lot more often. I think having more protein, I think that might be, might be the key for me. Um, here's another myth: uh, do carbs make you gain weight? Or oh, are they fattening?
0: So yeah, there's a big one around um, carbs being evil, and definitely one of these debunking. It's yeah, so yeah. so uh, there's not nothing wrong with carbs at all, like not at all. If we think about what they are, they're purely there for energy, like their sole use and only is energy for right. us. Um, they don't increase, you know, fat intake, and <clears throat> and they're they're not they're not they're not going to harm you in any way. It's purely one of those where, when we have carbs, we they help us retain water. So naturally, water weight will will go up a little bit. So if we ever step on the scale after eating loads of carbs, a lot of it is water. Purely that it's not stored. It's just it's just something that is a byproduct of it. So yeah. that that's absolutely fine. And then also, if the only time it comes to an issue where okay, are we gaining weight? The odds are we are. It comes back to that calorie. The intake so if we're ever talking about gaining weight or gaining fat it's because we are over consuming calories and those calories can come from you know anywhere it can be too much protein too much fat too much uh carbohydrates majority of it is you know could be the carbohydrates and fat that, that that's where it will come down to um in terms of oh, we're overeating therefore yeah. we have, we're eating too much than what we're expending in that day and we're doing that on a consistent basis which means yeah. Over time, we're slowly, slowly accumulating more, more and more, and our take taking on. So, again, if we if we eat loads of carbs in a day, and we're talking, let's say, a, a lot, you you binged on carbs, let's say, but you stayed under calories. Yes, health wise, is probably not the best because you've not got your nutrients in, you've not got everything you needed, you've not got protein in, etc. But if your calorie if your calories balanced out, then your your weight will stay the same that's yeah. you're not gonna gain fat from that so yeah it's it's one of those where utilize car i tell people like utilize carbs like they're there for a reason they they are they're good and most of the fun stuff is is carbs and but and that's what kind of why i think gives it a bad rep but yeah. it's they they are they are there for a purpose like we need them for uh for energy our brain is the only organ that runs solely on carbohydrates so it needs them as well. So when we start cutting them down, you see people doing diets or like fads and stuff like, that. let's say they pick up keto or something like that. We see them, you know, brain, they can get a bit tired or lose concentration a little bit more because the energy just plummets because there's a lack of carbs coming in and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, hundred percent utilize your carbs, good for fueling, good for recovery. And they'll, they'll get you, they'll get you through the day. They will allow you to like get up and do your job and be active, be social,
1: yeah. So, Reese, you're it? telling me how many garlic baguettes can I have over a night time and not put weight on? <laughs> that is the million pound question, mate. Million pound question. Million pound question. Don't worry, but don't have a, half
2: that. Half a kilo, half a kilo of pasta. Half <laughs> kilo, <laughs>
1: mate. <laughs> mate, that's what I do. You know, it's bulging season after all. bulging season. <laughs> Sorry, James. I let you keep on with your myths.
2: Yeah. I've uh, got, got two more. Uh, is it healthy to always be in a calorie deficit?
0: I, yeah, I, again, I, I don't think we ever want to be permanently in one. It's it's not like a a thing we should we should aim to always be in and just consistently losing. Um, I think the whole the whole point of it is to one when we do it, we do it safely and moderately. So it's it's a right, it's a small deficit as possible. Is in in an ideal world like that? That's what we want to achieve. It's it's right. We're gonna do it. We're only a couple hundred maybe under, and therefore for us to lose weight, it will take, you know, weeks, months, et cetera, but we're doing it in a really sustainable and healthy way. Um, by doing it like that, also the odds of it staying off are much higher because you've done it at such a gradual rate that you are just adapting with it. You're building your routine around it. And therefore you've, you've kind of settled into your new weight by the time you get there. Whereas if we drop massively and let's say we're going over 500 a day more under, then we can start, you know, getting a bit of problems with it because we'll drastically drop weight. But then we're not dealing with any of the actual core issues. We're not actually improving habits. We're not improving our our eating or our knowledge. And therefore, as soon as we stop and we get to a point where we either act, we consciously stop or it just so slowly kind of breaks and you start eating a little bit more without really thinking about it and then it builds back up, back up, back up, and all of a sudden you, you're back up to where you started. Um, it is, is one of those, which is not ideal either way. So we want to kind of slowly but focus on that slow loss. If we are doing one and make it realistic, Like let's get to, let's get to a point. And also if we're doing like that, it's not too much strain on our body. We're not going to, you know, feel the effects too much. We're not going to get like, you know, fatigued all the time where we're not going to struggle to do some tasks or be able to, you know, exercise and do things that we need to do every day or want to do every day. Um, so the key is ideally that we, we use it as a purpose to to get to where we want to be. And then we maintain, we we, we find out, okay, what's our maintenance, what's our balance. Let's now find that. And let's, let's be good and, you know, build these routines, build these habits, build these patterns and try and stay where we are rather than one drastically coming down or forever dieting or trying to come down on it or constantly going up and down and causing these like rebounds because we're dropping too fast and shooting back up again.
2: Yeah, so it's really interesting to hear that, actually. So having a smaller deficit for a prolonged period of time is is better than a massive deficit for a shorter period of time. I never, I never thought of that, but it, you do hear about a lot of people who make that extreme change to eat uh, a lot less calories and work out a lot more, and as soon as they stop doing that, all the weight comes piling back on. And it, it kind of makes sense of what you just said there to to build the habit of doing it a little bit by a little bit. Um until until it's, you get reach your goal and then you can stick at it as well because you've ingrained that habit. Um so that that was interesting actually. Um Yeah,
0: that's it. And do you know what, it's it's funny enough, like it's one of those where I know I used I used to again, I don't <laughs> you look back and you think why? Like you watch um I know if you've ever watched like, the biggest loser in the USA yeah. The- yeah. You look at and you basically think that, that it's basically torture. Like what they're doing is it's so unsafe and it's so extreme. Yeah. And then you look at them and you look at the amount they lose because they're going from the way they're built being to maintain probably 4,000 plus calories a day is what they need to stay yeah. where they're at. But yeah. they're being told, all right, you're down to like 800 to 1,000 a day. So, of course, the weight is going to just strip off them. But at the same time, they're getting them doing – ridiculous exercises throughout the day, which which most of us wouldn't do, even in peak yeah. fitness or a thing like that. So they're asking them to do a lot of this stuff, which then is exacerbating that. Therefore, they're dropping weight at an insane rate. And then when they leave the show, all we see is all of them just go straight back up because throughout the whole thing, meals have been cooked for them. They've not been taught what better choices look like. They've not been taught any sort of education that's actually going to help them in the long run, they're going to help them in life. So as soon as they get home, they go back to all their old eating habits, which might be, you know, really over consuming at lunch and dinners and having several courses and rather than trying to think, oh, do you know what I've learned so much from here, which they which they haven't. So as a really extreme example, that's what I kind of my brain always goes to, is it's it's one of those where we don't want to be in that situation. It's like yeah. slow it's one of those slow and steady will always We'll win the race, basically. We'll always do better. Yeah,
2: yep. absolutely. Uh, for the last one, then. Um, the price of eating healthy is too expensive when you can buy a lot of shittier food <laughs> for a lot less.
0: Again, uh, it's, it's a it's a tough one. Um, some, I think, my way around it, I say, is lots of veg is, is fairly cheap if you if you can stock up on a lot of veg i think pretty cheap you can go to most in, like some of them are all under a pound like you can get like 29p or set up to 75p broccoli and stuff like that and these are all very you know nutritious and fibrous foods that one will make you feel full really help your immune system and help your uh, overall health so if we think about okay all well the veg we can get brilliant um i bit I, I again meat i think is expensive always as well but yeah, that, that that's always going to be a a key factor in any meal as well. So it's kind of one of those we all know right. If we if we're a meat eater, then we're going to buy that. Um, and then around that again, I think we can get most carbs fairly cheap now, like pasta, rice, and stuff. Like you you can get a good sized bag now. I think that will last you a while, and and you can get it's not too bad. So I'd say I think there's a perception that it's it's really expensive, and don't get me wrong, that some some of it can be. Um, but I think that buying either either in bulk I think sometimes a meal prepping is a is a good one to do because then you're utilizing all the meals. I know that sometimes like here we'll try and you know cook a dinner that's big enough to last another day or two so that if i'm I'm normally at the club and my partner normally has that for lunch for the next two days sort of thing like that so we'll, yeah. we'll try and and really utilize it and make it um make it go the distance and also it just gives us a good chance where we can kind of make a meal where we can throw loads of different vegetables in and chuck it all in one pot or one tray like a good tray bakes so it always goes down well sort of thing and just get everything in and we know we're getting a real variety and it's really going to fill us up really going to make us feel full but all we've really had is you know maybe like potatoes veg and chicken something like that so i think that it's also about making decisions around it as well. like try to think value for money in that sense. I, it, it, it can be tricky by hundred percent. I think it can take also a bit of practice to kind of see like, maybe I think I always say the easiest thing to do is start of the week. We'll try and plan out the meals for the week. And yeah. by making that one decision, it really helps us out with decision-making. So rather than coming home, being like what's for dinner, we end up um, making something really rubbish that we don't enjoy. And it's just kind of like a panic like decision yeah. um, we normally end up being really planned out and everything from that kind of leads to better decisions in terms of "Right, call cool, we've done our list let's go to the shops we know exactly what we're getting it will do all these meals for the week and we know that we don't necessarily go picking on extra aisles because everything's to the list we know everything's mapped out for so i don't need yeah. to be on the extra aisles. being oh do do i want to get this just in case because no because we've got everything planned out i know i'm not going to need it so yeah it's it, i think it's one of those where it's um it's tricky it's it's a tough one to answer but yeah I think it's definitely doable if um yeah. like a, bit of, a bit of practice with it maybe
2: yeah I definitely on, recommend, recommend the uh the uh, meal planning as well my, me and my missus have been doing that and the money you save when you go shopping as well especially when you've got a list um yeah it's crazy you're not just going picking up uh yeah. random stuff that you normally would uh because it looks good um yeah, what were you saying there, Ethan?
1: Oh, no, before you really interrupted. Sorry, mate. I was just about to say, garlic baguettes on cheap, boys. Garlic it's baguettes fun. are not cheap. Um, just essentials
2: ranging, as they.
1: Mate, I'm, what do you think I am? I'm a princess. I have to have the <laughs> finest garlic baguette. Um, I just get cheap ones. <laughs> just get the cheap ones? Oh, mate. Less than a pound. <laughs> oh, we don't. I like the uplands. You could have three. Mate, I'm, two quality ones will never go miss. <laughs> Never will miss, but no, I appreciate that good segment there, James. Uh, Reese, you're the first person we've got on there to, to miss debunk, so appreciate that. Good, some good ones there. Taking it back to your side of things now, Reese. Um, obviously, we've talked about you working in the academy, but you actually work with the West Ham women's first team as well. That's right, isn't it? Yes. And obviously, um, speaking from my experience, obviously I've i become a massive fan of the women's game, especially over the Euros and the, the World Cup and things like that. Recently, you know, Ellen White, Jill Scott, you know, Jill Scott, obviously Queen of the Jungle afterwards and things like that. So the women's game's getting a lot more credit now, it's getting a lot more in the spotlight. Um, there's there's local clubs like uh, Anna Town close to myself who are getting big crowds there, Newcastle women. Played at St. James Park part not long ago, and they had just under thirty thousand people there, which is you know unheard of. I mean, a couple five six years ago, you know you'd be getting maybe a hundred if that. But West Ham Women actually, I don't know if you're privy to this or you can talk about this. They actually did a TV show, didn't they? A couple of years ago, um, around about I think it was Jack, uh, Jack Sullivan, um, the own, the owner of the West Ham squad. His son took over as director of football for the for the women. And it's—I think it's on BBC Three. It might be in a couple of series. And it was really insightful. And that was actually my first step into looking and seeing how the women's games ran. And the quite the comparisons, you know, the fact that the the money in the sport, obviously women's football, there's not as much money. There's there's a lot of dorms where players will share dorms with each other. Um, obviously they they don't have like the luxury of the the sort of meal days. I don't know if anyone watches Ben Foster's. YouTube where he puts all these fancy meals on match days they don't have something too similar. I don't know if that's changed since you coming in, Reese. But my point is I would like to know a little bit about your role in that West Ham women environment and how the game's grown, if that's all right, since you've been there. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Um, so, to be honest, it's, it's, it's fairly similar to, to the academy um, in the sense of as soon as I have come in, it was it was in a good way from when I came in, my predecessor did, did a great job. Um, it was kind of like, again, constantly, as you say, it's ever growing. So it's kind of one where we try to keep taking it to the next level, like how far can it go um, and try to capitalise on that. So it's very much that that basic when I came in is, okay, how do we want the department to run? Um, what what are the key focuses? What's the culture The nutrition of nutrition amongst you know, players and staff? Are we all aligned on on where we want it or where it is and where we want it. And so what steps need to, needed to be put in place to, you know, to get to that level. Um, And then around that, I'd say the women's side for me is a bit, because it's a, it is a first team. It's a bit more hands-on. It's a bit more um, match day orientated. So with any first team, you kind of got are you're, you're working kind of game to game rather than the academy is more about, it is game to game, but it's more development. So you're, you're still focused on everything else around those matches. It's not all, Let's. We want success. It's basically. Are we helping these these players develop to the best they can be? So yeah. with women's, it's, it is again like any other first team, men's or women's. It's it's right game to game. Our next game is this. Let's prep the week for that game. Do the game, recover, back in, go again. So it's it's one of those that kind of is a bit more constant, faster paced. Um, which is which is always fun. It's, it's exciting. I think it's good to to have the two two sides i think it's good to have the one where it's it's massive on um physical progression physical development we get to really hone in on each individual like uh, the same week we do in the women's but at least but these ones are more so it is a team collective as well it is results driven it's it's we we need we're working towards allowing you to perform at this game now to recover after this game and then we reassess and we go again so it's it's really good to have the the two sides. It allows me to really expand and experience a lot of different things. Um so yeah, it, we still do like the individual uh, setups with the women. So all of them will get you know one-to-ones, and we'll work out everyone's plans and find out what, what works for them, what do they enjoy, where what's their goals or what do they want to improve. And that's discussions with, you know, the rest of the staff as well to see like where where do we see each player needing to improve. Like this it's all uh you know data driven it's it's normally like on the back of that um and then in terms of uh, it's normally travel and match day is is on on weekends so or midweek games it's it's very much prepping the players for okay we're going into a match day a match period so therefore everything becomes focused on you know fueling up making sure carbs are high everyone's feeling good no one's feeling like, you know, fatigued, tired, or like yep. no one they're all ready, they feel ready for the game and then supporting through the game day. So whether that's, you know, making the recipes and contacting hotels to make sure they've got everything set up for them and etc. like <clears throat> along the list. And then as soon as we finish the game, it's, it's into, you know, recovery mode. It's, it's, let's get them all the foods they need to, to recover. It becomes the main focus. And then they'll normally have, you know, the day after the game to, to really look after themselves, recover and hopefully come back the next day feeling, feeling fresh and with the, with the eyes on the next game?
1: No, well, class. I mean, it, it's quite insightful. I mean, the fact that you get to obviously be more hands-on, the mastery side of things, um, and you've probably maybe got a little bit more control. I don't know if that's you know, a term in a sense of you are able to sort of manage them a bit more than you would sort of the younger age groups in the academy because obviously they've got parents and you can't be with them twenty four seven. Obviously the, the schedule's probably not as intense as, as the women's team as well. Um on that side. Just a quick one when you mentioned recovery as well. Ice baths for or against? Just a quick one. Um
0: I think that they can they can definitely help even if it's a placebo sort of effect in, in their minds where they feel like, Oh, they're better for it. Um, as long as I, as I always say that if, as long as something has a positive effect or even, you know, no effects or, but if they, they think it's helping, as long as there's no negative effect, then, then there's no reason not to do it. Cause it can still give yep. that, that edge, whether that's in performance or recovery, if they, if they mentally feel that it's, it's happening.
1: Not spot on. Um, I want to apologise to anyone listening as well when James took a massive gulp just before we started speaking. Sorry about that, Reese. Uh, James, there is a button, call a mute button on your mic, just to let you know. Um yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan, Reese. The reason I ask I'm a big fan, just so obviously touching on myself. I love ice baths, you know, for recovery, being a big lad, I struggle with information. Um and I, I do like to train, I train a lot, I do spinning, you know, ice play football, things like that. And I do love a good ice bath. I'm quite lucky to be near the coast up in Newcastle at Timeout. So we'll sometimes go in the sea, you know, for a period of time. Um, you know, I don't know if you've you've ever sort of practiced that sort of thing yourself. Obviously in a Wim Hof's big at the moment. Do you do you tend to do it at all or or anything? Uh, do
0: you know what? No, I, I, I don't necessarily. I, I used to more so when I was younger, especially after like rugby and that. Because again, I, I do, I do think there's a hundred percent a place for them in, in recovery and stuff like that. I think that they help. Yeah. They, I well, personally, like from my my opinion, they do. I remember coming back from rugby feeling battered, bruised, and i should say, inflamed, and just my my didn't have a bath. So Is I used to just jump in a cold shower and just get and put it really cold and use that way. And that's not always the most pleasant, but. Felt fresh afterwards. I felt I felt a lot better, even if it was just because it was keeping my mind away from it. I don't know, but it still did. It did calm me down. It made me feel better. But no, I, I do like the the thought and the practice of, as you said, like going to sea. I think that's that's great. I, I, it's something that I I would do, and I, I think it would be a really good experience.
1: Definitely, mate. If you are ever up this way, you know, if he's playing Newcastle Women's next year or anything like that, or if you're ever up this way for pleasure instead of business, mate, give us give us a shout. We'll make a every man every man dip. Invite everyone Lovely. on. Exactly. What about you, James? Do you have you ever done the sea dip, ice bath, things like that?
2: Uh, the day before my wedding, uh, sorry, the morning of my wedding, uh, you know, I thought, fuck it, me and the lads just went in the sea. Um, it was absolutely freezing as well, even though we're in the summer. But yeah, it, it does sort you out. Um, I think when when I was in Malaysia, actually, there was there like two jacuzzis in our hotel. Was a... Like the normal jacuzzi and there was like an ice cold one. And honestly I was sitting that for like as long as I could and and you, I think I don't know if it is perceivable or not, but you would feel like a lot better uh coming out of it uh than than before you went in. Um so yeah, I think I'm for them. I don't do it regularly. Uh but yeah, I I think they do make you feel a lot better yeah
1: definitely Definitely. i'm not sure about going on my wedding day i think the last thing i want to do is lose inches on my wedding night i'm not gonna lie after the cold so just just on that sorry girlfriend first that's true i've got to get thanks for that thanks for that we'll have a talk after this sorry (laughs) um right bring it back to Reese. so you've had an amazing career so far it's far from over um, I would like to know, just before, before we get into the see no evil, hear no evil, then the future of yourself, the contrast between, you know, working with the everyday man or the, the well, every man or the every woman to then work in sort of in the academy side of things, women's football and in men's football and other potential sports. What are the differences and potential challenges that you faced in each avenue or across the board? If you wouldn't mind going into of that for us, please.
0: Yeah, I think um I think the biggest the biggest challenges are probably it's probably just the 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 adapting to, to different environments. I I think would be the biggest. I think that you go from let's say working for, with men's in a first team to to women's first team straight away there's there's gonna be lots of different differences and lots of changes. Um and then you throw in like an academy into that and it's the same as a like, private practice, working with people of you know, all genders, both genders and all ages, you, you still, you still have those kind of um, those differences and you do need to take them into consideration and into account because at the end of the day, the, the sports, the sport, like that, in terms of what we prescribe and kind of like focus on that, that's, that's not going to change, but what does change is how that relates to that individual. So then we need to start thinking about, okay, is it a one-to-one and therefore, we just see with that individual in that environment. Therefore, great. We, we get that that immediate buy-in normally with a one-to-one athlete because they're very motivated. Cause again, they, it's just them out there doing it, whether that's, you know, a runner, or a cyclist, a uh, uh, combat sport, like a fighter, like a boxer or something like that. It's just them. They're, they're very motivated. Whereas if we go to, you know, more team sports, it's easier to kind of get individuals who maybe buy is a bit harder where they're a bit more resistant to it because yeah they aren't someone who naturally would come and, and seek you out and be like oh do you know what? i want to improve this and i want to get better it's kind of like oh it's part of me being here and part of my job therefore i'll kind of take it in but they're not massively keen on it or enthused by it <clears throat> sorry um yeah so i think that having to adapt from one those two environments with okay what's their motivation do it's much easier kind of saying, okay, cool. I know they're going to be motivated. I know I haven't got really hone in on that part of the job. Whereas the other side I, I do, I need to kind of think of ways, or like, what's the best way of me convincing this person that I can help them and I can support them. And you are, you are finding yourself, not just doing the job, but you're also trying to, to win them over. So we, which kind of adds a whole other layer. Yeah. Um, and then again, yeah, it comes down to, I think also, as I said, the, the, the individual. So we see changes from the male male sports a female sport as well because then they're not the same you can't just treat female athletes the same as male athletes and that's that's not in a negative way at all. it's always purely just that their makeup is different there's different requirements and it is one of those where we're not just going to go all the studies and everything is based on male research therefore let's just throw it on females because that's not fair to them and that's not giving them what they need so i think that is one of the things we need to that is is probably the biggest adjustment is is trying to like you know get that right across both groups <clears throat> um and just and kind of that understanding that there's also going to be different communication ways of communicating there's going to be different um phrases or ways of talking uh, between the two populations as well um like we see like in, in, in like, way we understand it quite rightly as well if we see how obviously over the years the ways that you know females are portrayed in in the media and in public that it builds up a lot of you know negatives that and how they women like females can view themselves or view others stuff like that so it it's they've built such this kind of like stigma around it that it, it, it can be hard for them like quite understandably so it's kind of it's not one of those where we see some of the comments that get thrown around in the men's which again still aren't you know acceptable but you know that they will see it as a passing comment whereas most of the time it's it's nothing as much as we try and you know drive it out of the sport or out of it we don't want to see it but it happens and it's normally them seeing it as a passing comment and therefore that's it and it's done then in the female side that they might cling on to that and take that a little bit more to heart and that's just purely through obviously uh, the society as it is at the moment and that's where that comes down from so i think that's also like a big challenge is it's is being a people person it's it's being able to build these personal skills and build relationships to the point where someone is willing to come to you off their own back and trust you and open up to you but also like i said nutrition is really really personal so if if someone if, is willing to put their trust in you to kind of say what should i be doing and you're telling them all these things that you sh- they should be eating and they can they conclude that's quite a that's quite a nice thing for them to say. And that's quite an important thing for them to be willing to be as like, okay, cool. I'm freely giving you total control over my, my eating pretty much. But that's quite a big thing. So I think it's also remembering that building that relationship with them to get to that point is, is really important and really key.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. The, the fact that it, it is a trust and a, a two way street and I, I appreciate where you come from and it's quite open of you to see obviously the, the, the comments that women have been getting. Obviously, you're on the ground a lot more than any of us, you know, and you've, you're there seeing that and being involved in it and the fact that you're behind them, pushing, you know, pushing them in the right direction, having that level of, of trust. I mean, what, have you ever sort of had many barriers going from the men's to the women's game on the back of that? Um Again, not to dig too personal on that side of it.
0: Um do you know, Thankfully, no, I, I've I've not noticed any any real barriers with it um I think my my whole my whole premise around how I work is is very much the to focus on the person first um in general so it's it's yes they're an athlete but they are also a person with you know a lifestyle and family and etc there's other things going on there rather than just they play sport so I think the key the key for me is no matter what environment I go into it's all right let me learn about this person what what motivates them? What what do they like? What do they not like? And then therefore, if we can build that kind of lifestyle and personal picture, that's only going to help us then translate all the messages I'm trying to give into their sport. So I think that coming in with that kind of mindset allows, kind of takes the foot off of the, oh, we're only here to talk about nutrition because no, we're, we're here to kind of, you know, build a rapport, build a relationship, build some trust. And therefore it will lead into you know, positive conversations where they know I'm not, from both sides they know I'm not judging them they know that I'm not there to pick apart their diets or their food I'm not there to say no like why are you eating that well, you can't eat that because that's that's not what that's not what I do that's not the role of a nutritionist and that's not what we encourage it's very much uh, autonomy it's giving them that f- freedom to be to make their decisions and eat how they feel they need to or they want to like but at the same time it'll it'll positively impact their performance so that that's the key for me, is, is treat them as people first, get to know them, build that rapport, and then because we have that, there's there's no real need for, you know, the, the tricky side of it, or the, the negative so, um, side of it. So we try, we, hopefully by doing that, we kind of avoid having that in the first place.
2: Yeah,
1: well, that that's the thing. That's probably the, the trickiest angle you've got to look for, not just in, obviously, women's sport, but the academy, you know, working in different sports, because obviously we've mentioned you've worked with a range, not just football, obviously you've worked in golf, I mean the the transition is something that I could imagine would be so tough and the fact that you've done it, smashed it and continue to thrive is is, is really actually um, something we were looking forward to getting on and having a bit of a, a pro bat. I hope i have been a bit gentle with you um, tonight on that side, I know before we sort of wrap up and find out about the future of yourself, I think James is going to do "see no evil, hear no evil" because I'm the I'm the Lewis today, and he's the me, looking bastard being as good looking as me. So James, over to you, mate.
2: So there's a little section of our podcast where it's called "see no evil, hear no evil" or "hear no evil, see no evil." Uh, we don't know which way it goes around anymore, uh, but essentially, uh, we're going to ask you um for a recommendation of a book a movie a podcast uh something that you you've listened to or read or watched um that's helped you um or something that you do just to get by on your day-to-day business oh that's um i knew
0: this would be the trickiest bit for me to be honest um (laughs) To be fair, I listen to I listen to a couple podcasts, but they're they're typically you know like um like like nutrition podcasts or or like ran performance practice. Um, I'm not a big book reader. If I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I just can't I can't sit and read a book all the whole time.
1: Yeah, neither ne- is James. It's Finder where he can't read. He's from Sunderland, from Hartlepool <laughs> <laughs> Um. I don't know.
0: I say one that I've started listening to is um is the the Hexis podcast. It's a performance podcast still, but is it's, I like the fact that it's it's kind of like ex professional athletes on there as well. Like say Sam Warburton and stuff like that. But they do discuss the real nitty gritty of of their backstory as well, and in their and their rise to you know in his particular was you know coming up and being for the for the um british and irish lions captured it and still how that felt and how he ended up being really raw and honest with it um yeah. as well as obviously some of them being a bit more you know uh scientific and practical based like more aligned with my job but it's it's something that um I've actually got really into and I, I like the 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 contrast between the two having some that will help me develop as a as a practitioner but also having those you know i those the people that were my idols kind of going through the sport myself and hearing their, their honest backstories and their childhood up to, up to their playing career and so on. So yeah, that's probably, that's probably the one from me at the moment. Yeah.
2: Oh, brilliant. I recommend you a book. I know you're not a book reader. You can get the audio book. You were talking about habits. Um, there's a book called Atomic Habits. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it. Really easy read as well, but I, I, re- I think, I think you might enjoy that.
0: No, did you know what? I've I've been recommended it and, people at work have given me like they've recommended so many books i've actually asked them to write them all down so that i can actually go out yeah and buy i will i will make a habit of going out buying these books and i'll give them a read because i, I want yeah. to i want to give them a go
2: yeah
1: definitely definitely well james you smashed that mate thank you very much uh so so yeah well so reese now we've talked about your career up to date what does the future hold for yourself? Do you have a, a strategy? Have you got a, a potential move lined up? Um, do we need to get you a move? I know some agents. To you so you're at West Ham, <laughs> what's, what's the next step for you, mate?
0: Um, yeah, to be, to be honest, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just keep progressing I think as much as I can. Um, I'm really, really enjoying the role at the moment. Um, and I think that for me, I'd love to keep expanding on the, the different sports that i'm working that i get to work with i think um we like private clients that there's there's a couple i've done now like in terms of different sports that weren't my usual like um such as like you know junior karting so people are like young like young athletes aspiring for the f1 sort of stuff like that and signed into that kind of pathway that i never as much as i love f1 i never thought i'd be what i'd get a chance to like kind of you know work with people in the industry and it really was you know exciting it's very so different and i was like oh do you know what um that was great then obviously getting the opportunity to work with golfers and then you know rugby etc and i'd love to just keep expanding that that field of sports and just kind of seeing they all have like it's all nutrition in the day but at the same time there are like nuances there are differences that cover every sport so i'd love to kind of just tap into as many as possible um as well as myself in terms of, you know, football, rugby, et cetera, and kind of keep taking it to whilst in the elite level, keep taking it as high as I can go. So whether that's opportunities down the line to, you know, maybe work with first teams and stuff like that to kind of experience that side of it in in the men's game as well, I think would be would be a great opportunity in like football rugby. And, you know, however far it can go. Massive NBA fans, so you never know if if anything ever opened up over there. That'd be a uh, That'd be exciting. But no, yeah, that's, I think for me, it's just, just keep personally developing, keep trying to improve and then hopefully, um, yeah, just see where it goes. Hopefully just keep progressing see, and
1: get a few more opportunities down the line. Exactly, mate. And we've got everything crossed for you, to be fair, mate, to be honest. You've been absolutely tremendous tonight. You've been really insightful and it's just what our listeners want, really. They want to hear, you know, the, the nitty gritty facts, they love a good journey, you know, the, a real hero wouldn't get behind so you know it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you mate we wish you the best of luck as well we'll be keeping an eye out for as long as you're with West Ham Academy Women's we'll be keeping an eye out you know if you if we play Newcastle Women's next year we'll have to come and see you bit of rivalry Well that might heckle you I'm, I'm definitely going to heckle you on the sidelines I'm not going to lie because <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be damn near dogs if he's on the sidelines <laughs> I'd expect nothing dead. less. Fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now for anyone, before we let you go, because I've I've took a lot of your time, I appreciate that. Um before we let you go, where can we find you on socials? Or where can our guests or listeners find you? Sorry.
0: Uh yeah, so I'm on Instagram um at Coach Reese and that's that's me sort of just plugging you know nutrition knowledge and education as well as some insights into into what I do on a day-to-day basis and who I work with and the, how I go about my role um I also have my website which is uh, www.resconzalves.com and um that's basically a bit more about me about my business and and my work with with athletes and the general public in terms of working with nutrition and um yeah anyone who's interested in you know, who has any questions even about nutrition and just wants, just want some general guidance and maybe wants to build on that, then yeah, that's where to find me
1: and get in touch. Top man. And for anyone like oh, James really? who can't spell, it's Reese with R H Y S E just for, for anyone who can't spell like James, but you know, Reese, it's been absolutely tremendous, mate. You've been great. I've already said, if I could afford you, I would want to hire myself. Um, you've got some great feedback on your website and some great programs. So thank you so much for your time mate, and all the best. Thank you, Reese. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Been really Top good. Man. Take care, buddy. Thank Thanks you. Bye so nice. bye.
0: Let's go. Yeah. Time to grind. Get inside your mind. Yeah, we're working over time. That's the only way to climb. We're to make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line. Cashing checks, left and right. That's the way I'm living life.